Humboldt Holding Up is sponsored by the North Coast Co-op and Humboldt Hydroponics. You know, uh, the North Coast Co-op, it's no no mystery that it's the favorite grocery store of Humboldt Holding Up. We go there for lunch all the time. Andrew, I know you love the solids. Also the and- Poke Bowls. But I shouldn't <laughs> say I shouldn't say that out loud because then there'll be a rush on the Poke Bowl. <laughs> Well, anyway, whatever it is that you love, they've got it there at the North Coast Co-op. Go check them out at both Arcata and Eureka. And Humble Hydroponics, they are located at 1302 Union Street. That is uh, right next to the Broadway Cinema, unless in case you don't have a map in, in your brain. Uh, you can visit them there and their knowledgeable staff will help you with all your growing needs. Humble Hydroponics, locally owned and operated for some time. It's Humboldt Holding Up, the podcast equivalent of a desolate, inhospitable, frozen, penguin-infested landscape that no right-thinking person should visit. I'm Andrew Goff. And I'm Stephanie McGarry. That's quite a yeah. metaphor for this podcast. I love it. You, well, you've, you've gotten how these, these, you know, these, these intros kind of usually like tie in to uh, where we're going. See? Yeah. You see what I'm doing? Yes, yeah. I see that you are tying into where we're going, which is on an audio trip to Antarctica. Yeah. Because, because today we're going to be talking to Darren Weiss, yeah. who we sort of know a little bit because he just so happens to be a DJ on KHUM yeah. with the Chicken Scratch show. He but... has been doling out these toe tapping tunes way <laughs> longer than you would, you would ever imagine for a man of, of, of his youth. Right. (laughs) But today we're mostly going to talk to him about what you were just talking about, Andrew Goff, which is Antarctica. Yeah, because when when, when he's not a a DJ, I'll say he is a a licensed mechanical engineer specializing in in renewable energy. Uh, The dude knows a thing or two about wind turbines. And because he is on the front lines of of green energy uh, last month, he had the opportunity to go to, as we say, Antarctica of all places. Some organizations that do work to preserve our planet's polar regions decided they wanted to gather a bunch of people from around the world put them on a boat, send them way south. And Darren wisely did not turn down that opportunity. And uh, yeah, I don't know, Steph, I, 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 I want to know about his trip because it seems like low odds that I'm going to get to Antarctica in my lifetime. Well, that's, I mean, if you dream it, you- I haven't <laughs> dreamt it. <laughs> if this is a dream of yours, I mean- yeah. we can No, make- I mean, if, yeah, if somebody offered me a trip, a free trip to Antarctica, like uh, our friend here, I would absolutely would I take that, but I I haven't even I've never been to Budapest. I, 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 you know, I, for some reason that's the first thing that kind of came to my mind. Oh, okay, um, <laughs> you know, uh, Anchor Wat. These are these are places I, I would I'm going to go before Antarctica probably. Okay. If I had my druthers. Good. Well, as much as I love talking about you and your travel goals, why don't we talk to Darren? <laughs> Hey, okay. I can, uh, I can go for that. Okay, cool. Let's get him in here. Hello. 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 Well, I think um, right off the top, we should, we should start out with a uh, disclosure, which is that, that despite the fact that you and I, you know, only randomly see each other maybe every five years or so in, in town, at random uh, drinking establishments, we are, we are technically colleagues and, and, and have been for the past a uh, decade or so, because uh, you are, of course, uh, the host of the Chicken Scratch Show on on K Hum Radio, 
Um, so people might know your voice that way. Obviously, there's other things we want to talk about today, but real quick, I thought maybe you could just uh, talk about this, the chicken, chicken scratch show and, and sell it to the people out there with, with ears. Yeah, great. Every Monday night, seven to nine, two hours of both country and Western and all the good stuff. In between, it's the only peer-reviewed science-based country and Western show that we're aware of, co-hosted with uh, Cody Johns. Uh, support support that. You're, 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 is, that <laughs> is that an actual thing? <laughs> what do you mean Peer by review? that? Peer-reviewed. Well, <laughs> you know, we tend to, at least for the first hour, have a fact checker coming to us live from Waco, Texas. Happens to be Cody's mother, but usually most yeah. of the... Uh, of the i guess the the lies that we spew she calls us out on it so it, it is yeah. peer-reviewed and fact-checked um we did have <laughs> interaction once with the international bureau of weights and standards cody wrote okay. a, a very compelling letter yeah. uh, we argued for a unit of measurement called the merle the merle yeah. was a, a measure of how country and western something could be yeah, I, I assume you're referring to to Haggard, to right? the Haggard. etymology oh. of the of the term. Haggard, Travis, Watson. You know, there, there are a number of. Okay. So, so it was a tribute to to all of them. It's probably other than Hank, the most country unit we we can think of. Yeah. <laughs> right. Um, the International Bureau of Weights and Standards did not say no, so we took that as, okay. a, as a yes. So, so <laughs> some okay. would claim that the Merle is officially a international unit of measurement so 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 would you say that like you you take a given song and you say this song ranks 3.5 on the merle uh scale or is that how how, how does it how is it applied i think we we would give the range of i believe even in the letter to to the to the to the french authorities you know frying biscuit dough and bacon grease is probably four thousand merles toby keith is zero (laughs) oh really he gets he gets no merles not even one doesn't even register on the Merle scale. You know, on the chicken scratch show at the moment, he hasn't broken through. Okay. Okay. <laughs> you're, 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 well, you're more you're more of a traditionalist, obviously. <laughs> well, maybe I, I try not to to pigeonhole or define too much. You know, it, it 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 historically, if you look at the playlist, it's either old music that sounds new or new music that sounds old. Okay. Yeah. 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 Okay. And, and 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 how many how many years have you been doing the chicken scratch show now? Oh, I, I think come August will be eleven. Did you ever dream that you would be doing this this long? I thought I'd be be let go by now for sure. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll, well see we'll I, see how this goes. Uh, yeah, I love yeah. hearing about your that like what happens when you have a a engineer uh, doing a country show. You're like coming up with things like units of. <laughs> <laughs> measurement yeah. of <laughs> credit, credit where credit's due you know dr cody was a was 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 a driver behind that so so we have an engineer and a doctor on staff of the chicken scratch show it's uh there's a lot of a lot of college years to to put behind two hours of, of music every monday night i, I like is, that very overqualified for this, yeah. for this <laughs> yeah. it still sounds remarkably underqualified every week yeah well i i say you know so the main the the main reason uh we wanted to have you on amazingly not the chicken scratch show but but because you recently uh you took a trip of a lifetime and one that i'm insanely jealous about you darren weiss just spent some time in antarctica as uh as part of an expedition put together um by organizations looking to slow climate change i I gather and i want to i want to nerd out on this trip 
uh, with you really hard. But uh, I think first we should just tell people about the non-radio DJ work uh, that you do. So can you tell us a little bit about your um, professional background and and maybe about Onward Energy? Sure, absolutely. Um, I'm an engineer. Yeah, uh, explains a lot at the end of the day. Um, the last about 20 years or so, I've worked in the in the renewable energy sector, uh, mostly with with wind farms and, and these days solar farms and, and batteries as well. Um, Onward Energy is an independent power producer um, where renewable meets reliable. So we've got you know one half the company's got natural gas plants to to keep us you know keep lights on through the transition you know into a more renewable future. Um, I support all of the renewable assets. So I've got. These days, about 1.6 gigawatts of, of, of power that I, I support, um, mostly through the, the eye of optimization and reliability. Okay. So I've got about a gigawatt of, of wind turbines across seven projects and about 550 megawatts of solar across 25 projects. All, all so, I, so I knew I knew you worked with wind turbines, but you're saying like you are responsible for, what did, what did you say, 1.6 gigawatts of? 1.6 gigawatts of, of wind and solar. Okay, and where and where are these projects located? Uh, all over the, the the U.S. So I've got wind farms in Maine, North Dakota, Texas, and Washington, and I've got mm. solar in California, Utah, Colorado, Indiana, Georgia, and Tennessee. And you're able to manage all of these projects from uh, Little Ferndale. From Ferndale, California. Now I'm just I'm just you know one one little cog in the, in, in the, in the works there. So, so most of, most of my day-to-day -day involves looking at data, looking for problems and reaching out to the right people to, to fix them. Okay. okay. Do you have to go, do you go out and, and visit them in person sometimes too? Yeah. I, I try to certainly on the, on the wind projects on an annual basis, get out to, to all the projects at least once, you know, hopefully there are not emergencies that require more visits. The, the solar projects are, are fairly new to us. So I've been to most of them, but, I just I can't visit that many projects in a year, so right. I'll, I'll mostly focus on the on the wind. Okay. Have you have, here's here's a dumb question? Have you ever climbed a wind turbine? I climb them every time I'm on site. Every time you're on site, you get okay. up there and and it, it doesn't phase you. You go how how tall are these things that you're the the nacelle, which is the you know that big bus shaped box at the top of the tower at the middle of the of the of the rotor. Yeah. Mine are usually around ninety six meters, so we're you know pushing three hundred. Met metric very fancy oh yeah no we, we work in the metric system <laughs> the, the merle the metric unit okay. <laughs> yes yeah. and how many merles is that uh do do these wind turbines produce that's a, that's, a, that's a hard question i'll, I'll, I'll give them yeah. 400 merles yeah okay okay that's just so it's just basically okay. merles are just like arbitrarily assigned yeah. well, it's, a, it's a you know we're, we're trained in, in this in this field so we can assign these values with yeah. the with some degree of authority. <laughs> I, I will not question you. Uh, yeah. But so, yeah. So, so through Onward Energy, you, you, you are able to take this, this trip to Antarctica. Is that is this something they felt fit to send you on? How, how does this come together? Yeah. So there's a, a polar explorer named Rob Swan. Um, his, his, I think his big fame comes from being the first person to walk to both the North and the South Pole. Um, mm -hmm. And he's been doing this for, for decades now. Um, and he, he's got a foundation called the 2041 Foundation. Symbolism behind that is that the Antarctica right now is, is owned by no nation. It's covered under a treaty. You know, there is no mining, et cetera, et cetera. The, the treaty is set to expire in 2041. 
And so, you know, his goal is to, okay. is to protect this, this continent. So he's been running these expeditions really to, to bring awareness to, to both, you know, the landmass itself, as well as, you know, the effects of climate change that are, that are affecting it. Cause it's one of the, you know, across the globe, it, it gets affected the worst by climate change. You know, right. while we were there, there were recorded temperatures 70 degrees Fahrenheit above normal an ice shelf the size of Los Angeles collapsed. You know, it's, 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 it's feeling the, oh, the effects man. in real time. So he puts on these excursions to the North and South Poles, and uh, Onward has been sponsoring people to go on these trips for the past about four years. Um, mm-hmm. We've sent a couple of school teachers, and somehow I got on the short list to go this year. So, yeah. so a little bit more about the, the the 2041 Foundation. So this guy Rob Swan. So like, what is he what is he advocating for specifically with regards to how Antarctica should be I don't know regulated or or handled uh, by the the global community at large? I, I don't want to speak on his behalf, and we can we can. Uh, we can set up an interview with him directly, but in the short of it is, you know, I think his goals would be, you know, the renewal of that treaty, you know, to, yeah. to keep it, you know, as, as no, no person's land. Right. Yeah. And yeah, he's, he's done excursions. Like his son is also, you know, in, in this, in this game, you know, he hiked the South Pole completely under renewable energy. You know, NASA developed solar cookers and, you know, and things like that. So, you know, th- their goal is really the, the preservation of that continent, you know, mm-hmm. and, and keeping it pristine. When you go on on one of these excursions, like what are you doing? <laughs> like how are yeah, how are yeah. you learning about like, uh, why about- why Darren Weiss? <laughs> right? Like, do you take sam- samples? Are you you know what 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 does that? No, no, there, there's no there's no research. This is a, okay. a, a, a quite a comfortable ship we are on. There okay, hundred and sixty eight participants on this on this trip from oh, three wow. countries across across the world. So it's a quite an international group. The days are split between presentations and lectures and excursions out on Zodiacs to either you know, hit the content itself or you know, in the nearby waters looking at, at wildlife. So there was you know, David Hone, who's the chief climate advisor uh, for Shell was there, not on behalf of Shell, but just you know, as, a, as an advocate for sustainability, believe it or not. Um, he was there with lots of data and presentations on the, the mm. current you know, UN Climate Change Council's, you know, goals and, and where we are with targets. So a lot, a lot of sort of data information around it. There's a lot of discussions on sort of the social impact and, and, and education as well. Yeah. But I have to I have to assume that, you know, the, the reason that they invite you on this trip is because that they're hoping that you will take what you've seen, what, what you hear back into your, your professional capacity and it, it, it hopefully it will influence that that aspect of your of, of your life some is that that is that right i i that's gotta be the goal andrew whether, or not, <laughs> whether it actually shakes out. Or not. Yeah. The the day, i got i got it i got a great trip out of the deal so uh, right can bring some, you know <laughs> onward but you know to the, our communities that you know where i live and where the projects are located we one of the best mm-hmm. things that happened on this trip from a I think a company perspective is that we sponsored a, a school teacher from mankato minnesota where we have one mm-hmm. of our plants she you know, is a science teacher at the high school there, already does an environmental education curriculum and, and yeah. these experiences and, 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 and guide what she's doing with that. I think that can have you know, a lot of impact. Wow. Yeah. How long were you there though? How long was, the, was this trip? The, the trip started in, in Argentina, in Ushuaia, which is the, the southernmost city in Argentina, mm-hmm. down in uh, Tierra del Fuego. Right. We spent about four days there, grouping up and getting ready. And then by the time we got on the boat, we were on the boat for nine or 10 days. 
Wow. Okay. Yeah, so, so you fly so, down to Argentina and then boat the the rest of the way. Yep. Exactly. Wow. Yeah. You cross the Drake Passage, which is you know where the the Atlantic and Pacific meet. Yeah. You you go mm. the Antarctic convergence zone. Temperature drops. Things get cold. You know, get seasick, and then next thing you know, you're in Antarctica. All right. <laughs> so, so I, I, yeah, I'm I'm someone who just kind of loves the the puzzle of of travel, and and to me, this this trip seems like it would just be a complete sensory overload. So, you know, maybe you could just like indulge us. I kind of want to just go day by day through this. Uh, you say you, you fly into Ushuaia, yeah. and yeah. So if you, so if, you, if you leave, you know, ACV. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. You know, which I did. <laughs> I, took, I took the gamble and, and you know, kudos to United because I, I fly out of here a lot and, and I, every flight was on time, which is, you know, kind of amazing. Yeah. And it's, uh, that's the most, that's the most questionable leg of the trip right there. ACV <laughs> to LAX to Houston, to Buenos Aires, to Ushuaia. That's, that's 36 hours of your life. Yeah. Right. And you land in Ushuaia and there's, you know, glacier covered granite peaks you know it's yeah. it, it's as stunning of a of, of a you know topography and geography as, as you can get right yeah, and, and yeah so, so, tell me tell me just a little bit about Ushuaia just like yeah. you know walking around the downtown like it's that's some you know as you say the most southernmost city in the world it's something it's something I've looked at and wondered like uh, you know about like what's what is the feel of that town well city. as part of the as part of the program for the first four days we were fairly sequestered in, in a hotel, you know, as a group in, in a bubble. So, so we, we didn't have any time at the onset in Ushuaia other than driving okay. a bus, but it's a, it's a quaint town. It's got a downtown, it's on a steep hillside and it's got backdrop that's worth, you know, all your time and energy. It's worth going there just to, just to see the, the background. And so, so from there you, you jump on the, on this ship, you call it a ship. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we, we spent, so said so there, there were three days, Thereafter at the hotel, we did, you know, there's a nature preserve. We did hike around. We, we hiked to a glacier. We did okay. beach cleanup. We spent some time sort of just, just collecting ourselves and, and, and getting our noses probed twice a day for, for COVID testing to make sure that sure. when we got on the ship, we were 100% COVID free. And, and I guess to, to their credit, I think this was the first cruise ship, you know, since, you know, the, the pandemic, it was 100% COVID free. So Congratulations. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, so yeah, then so then on day four we, we get on the ship and it's almost two days to cross the Drake Passage and we had okay. I'm going to stick with you know standard units there we had we had six meter seas so it's you know almost eighteen foot waves to to go through it was rough but it was but we we made it yeah. so is, is it so is it stormy like is it is it like wind blowing and 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 rain pelting you as you're going down no rain hail waves yeah it's a uh, it's dynamic. Wow. Okay. Wow. Yeah. Did you actually get seasick? You said that in your earlier <laughs> no. talk about it. No. I, I, I had uh, scopamine patches, meclizine pills, and ginger. So I was I was loaded with 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 all types of, of ways to avoid it and, and thankfully did. And maybe, okay. But uh, it was worth mm. Okay, so you take so you take the ship across the Drake Passage, and if I if I remembering correctly, like a- Antarctica has this has this giant kind of claw-like peninsula that sticks off off of it that that kind of goes towards the 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 southern tip of of South America. So that's so it's kind of like it's it's the shortest possible uh, path you could you could take to Antarctica. Yeah, 
Th that and it's probably the warmest portion as well. It's it's got a few degrees latitude, you know, further from the from the pole. Okay. So, or, you know, we had temperatures probably you know near about zero Fahrenheit. You know, not negative forty. Balmy. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. So okay. So what's what is so what is the first part of of Antarctica that you see? Like, was there was there a, a, a great moment like where someone yelled out "Land ho!" or you know what? exactly that? It was a Fournier Bay. It was, it was as astounding as you can imagine, you know, blue water, whales, penguins, and, and, and granite, or, or just you know, whatever the local rock is, I assume it's granite, but it, it's, it's stunning. Just right off the top, they just hit you with the whales and the penguins. When we left Ushuaia, Ushuaia is on the Beagle Channel, there were whales and penguins in the first 10 minutes. It was, the wildlife was, was abundant. And, and yeah. Antarctica, it's, you know, it remains that way as well. Wow, yeah. that's cool. What other did you see? Any other really interesting wildlife that maybe you weren't weren't expecting? Um, nothing not expected. You know, we did lots of seals as well. So mm -hmm. leopard seals and fur seals and weddell seals and crab eater seals and a few types of penguins. I think whales are limited to a, a minke and and mostly humpback. So okay. no orcas were okay. on this trip. So you're, so you're on this you're on this ship, the the Ocean Victory. That's what it's called, right? Yeah, and uh, and and just describe your 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 quarters here. Like, what what kind of a what level of luxury are you enjoying the views of Antarctica in? Um, I would say on a scale of one to ten, about a eight and a half to a nine. It's 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 okay. It, it's very comfortable on the on the ocean. Victory. Yeah. It's a brand new ship. This was its first season, um, and you know it's it's it was built a as a as a Arctic. You know, cruising ship, but also you know it's got the lowest emissions of any ship of size, and it has a recycling program, and, and all you know it does its its best for sustainability. But at the end of the day, it's it, it's it's quite comfortable, and and you yeah, know, has viewing decks and you know a view out every window of Antarctica. Yeah. And so, and so at one point, I mean, it, it looked like I, I was going through some of the stuff th that you posted. Uh, you 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 did get out, and you you got on. Your, your feet touched land, yeah. Yeah, on, and, on, so, the, on a few islands as well. Yeah, so so tell me tell me about those those places. It's it, it's a tough question, Andrew. It's a uh, you know, it, it feels really amazing. It feels neat, but then day you're just standing on another piece <laughs> piece of land. Like it's it it's, it it almost feels a bit surreal. Yeah, and and, yeah. and and perhaps I'm you know perhaps I'm still processing it. It's a uh, it was neat, but for me you know standing on you know. In Antarctica wasn't the most profound part of the trip, but it certainly was the most unique part of the trip. Right. Well, what about some of the the, the programming then? Like you, you say, there were you were you were given presentations and 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 what what, what did you what, what were they trying to instill in you by having you there? Yeah, so the, the there were a few different things that 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 were presented. Uh, I said David Hone, who was the the chief climate advisor at Shell. You know, daily had a had a had a presentation prepared all around the the science behind climate change and mm -hmm. and where you know the models are showing likely scenarios, um, which which is, which is to me the the most interesting and and perhaps as an engineer I appreciated the the dryness which it was delivered it was <laughs> unemotional it was just facts and 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 some more interesting ones are that you know climate change science isn't new. You know, as early yeah. back as the as the early 1800s, you know, carbon dioxide was identified as a as a source of you know of, of warming temperatures. You know, the newspaper mm -hmm. articles from 1912 
in Australia were, you know, implying that, you know, that burning the coal was having, you know, the effects on climate if it continued, you know, temperatures would rise. So right. if people think that, that this is a, you know, a new field of study or, or new ideas, you know, that's not you know, the case. This is they put 200 years old of, of knowledge. It does not start with Al Gore. It does not with <laughs> Al Gore nor end with and, yeah. and so, you know, the, you know, some of the, the you know, the, the data presented were that the, the current trend that we're on with, with dumping CO2 into the atmosphere and global warming, if we do nothing, by 2050, we'll have a, a five degree temperature rise, which is, you know, yeah. fairly catastrophic with regard to, to, to ocean levels, with regard to, you know, storms and droughts and, you know, and all of the other effects of climate change. But some of the work that he had done were, were, I guess various scenarios of, of if the global community looked at the the health and welfare of society, what would that look like? It'd be a steep decline of emissions. It'd be you know removing carbon from the atmosphere. It'd be you know very quick actions, and by doing so, we have a chance to limit global warming to one and a half degrees Celsius. If we look at sort of nations consider wealth first, well mm-hmm. things happen a little bit slower, and it's not till Things are more catastrophic that you know, industry and businesses start to pivot quickly and react. And that gets us to like 2.3 degrees Celsius. And the third scenario is that if you look at you know security, Russia invades Ukraine, everyone closes their borders. You know we don't mm-hmm. take any action on, on climate change until much later. And that you know that last scenario gets us you know well above 2.5 degrees Celsius. So yeah. the good news is you know a little bit of optimism is that we you know in all these models we don't hit that five degree mark. We're under Two and a half, two point six, but you know, one point five, which is really the goal of the UN, becomes more and more challenging every day. And you know, I'm not going to say impossible, but at this point, unlikely. Yeah. So you you mentioned that. Did you say while you were there, a a, an ice shelf the size of Los Angeles cleaved off, and or or around that time? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. I think I think it was in the in the Weddell Sea area. And so obviously, you know, the 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 biggest impact on on the world as a whole is as a result of that is is the sea level rise. But I'm wondering, just like, what does that do to to and the Antarctica? uh environment like to the to the wildlife habitats there like what what is what, what did you see as as a, as a result of, of this happening so so the ice and the you know that sort of natural environment the food chain starts with you know whatever algae and microbes you know live within the ice the the krill feeds on that the whales and the seals feed on the krill you know it, it, it you know at the end of the day the, the entire ecosystem collapses with with the ice yeah you know and, and i think you know those who are down there often you know see that change you know they see the years where the krill is light and then the whales aren't there because they've had to migrate elsewhere etc yeah. yeah that wasn't something obviously that you you know actually experienced like witnessed but did you did it actually happen while you were there and was it something that like there was you know a reaction to like was this announced like this just happened or no in a pleasant way we were mostly disconnected from the internet right <laughs> so they, you know, those are things that you find out when you get home yeah. more i guess more present was you know while we were there in Antarctica, in antarctica in march it was raining one day and that's that's unheard of right it, it okay. should be going yeah. on and the temperatures are warm enough that that on the ship you know for almost an entire day it was raining wow. and so that, 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 mm. that that's a that's an unusual event. Yeah, yeah, wow. 
Just another reminder that Humble Holding Up is brought to you by the North Coast Co-op. And as somebody who uh, operates, works in Old Town Eureka, let me just say, when those lunchtime hunger pangs hit, I find myself drawn to the salad bar at the North Coast Co-op. What I do is I I go, I take the spinach. I really go overboard on the the tofu chunks. And... (laughs) some, you know, a bunch of onions. I also, I'll throw some chicken in there with the tofu. I go heavy on the protein stuff is what I'm saying. Yeah. 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 Make it as much like not a vegetable salad as possible. (laughs) It was really hard for me. You know, the the salad bar went away during COVID for obvious reasons for a little bit. I remember that was really hard on you. It was really hard on me, but it's back. And, uh, oh, and then I put, I, I cover it all with the, the balsamic vinaigrette. Uh, cause it's like in my mind, I'm doing something healthy for myself, but I don't know if I ultimately that's what happens. I really I I I like a I like a fat salad. Well, there's no place better to make yourself a fat salad than at the uh, North Coast Co-op. So let's let's go get a salad right now, Andrew. I can't wait. Right now. So Steph, there's a bunch of grow shops in Humble, right? I think so. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah. And, and and one of those happens to be Humble Hydroponics, which is located at 1302 Union Street. Do you know where that is? Uh, yeah, of course. That's right over by uh, the Broadway Cinema. That's correct. Yeah. Ah. yeah, there you go. And Humble Hydroponics is committed to helping their community through tough times by providing discounts, keeping prices down whenever possible. Oh, well, do, do they have soils, oh, nutrients, yeah. supplements? Yes. yes. Yeah, what about trellis, bamboo sticks, watering tools, pH uh-huh. solutions? Generally liquid. Look, they have lighting, LED and otherwise, trays, inserts, perlite, rock wool, fans, et cetera, et cetera. Wow, they have everything. And, and where is Humble Hydroponics located again? 1302 Union Street. Right, right by the Broadway Cinema. Uh-huh, that's right. Give them a call at 707-443-4304. And you, I saw in one of your posts, you, you mentioned that I, I think it was people from 36 countries. Was that, is that the number we're, we're, we're on this trip? Yeah. And, and, and that was, you know, I, I mentioned, you know, standing on Antarctica for me at the end of the day doesn't resonate as the most profound moment. It's, it's, it's interaction with these other you know, 168 people. We all live in our own little bubbles and, and the effects mm-hmm. of, of climate change and how we react and, and how we feel about it are, are clearly different across the globe. And, and being able to, to hear other people's you know, experiences and, and, and how you know, their communities are, are handling it or dealing with or, or being affected by it, you know, it, it's, it brings an awareness that, that is hard to get from, from living in, in Ferndale exclusively. Yeah, because right. <laughs> yeah, obviously the, the effects of climate change, you know, we, we read are going to impact poor, poorer countries uh, more greatly than, than us. Did you, did you talk to anybody there who's from somewhere that's going to be more directly I- impacted that, that they're, you know, they carry these concerns with them? No, absolutely. There, there was a, a large con- contingency from India. There was a, you know, a number of people from both South Africa and, and Brazil. Um, mm-hmm. There was a, a lot of discussion how not only is it, I guess, the, the more developing nations that feel the effects of it, but it's also nations that haven't been the source of the pollution originally that's causing this problem. Yeah. Yeah, so, so they're, they're, they're taking the, the brunt of it for, for you know, the rest of our, you know, I guess, uh, achievements. That's, uh, yeah. <laughs> we could, Did we you learn a lot about how some other countries, that, you know, approaches to, to addressing climate change? 
from what I can gather as a, as a world, we are still on the wrong trajectory. We're still on an annual basis increasing our pollution and our, our carbon emissions. And that, that part of that, that you know, IPCC report that just came out, IPCC, um, is that you know, between now and 2030, we need a sharp reduction in emissions yeah. and, and, and we're still going upwards. Um, so I, I don't think anyone is, 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 any one region is doing it right yet. I think our, our, our dependence on fossil fuels is, is still growing and still far too large. Yeah. On, a, on a slightly li- more like lighthearted note. Please. Uh, <laughs> 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 All right, let's stop talking about that now. No. Back to penguins. <laughs> Always yeah. I was just saying with, with, you know, you're basically living with these folks, you know, during this, this whole trip, um, you know, did you also get really close? I imagine make some, some friendships and were you guys like partying to get together at night? Like what I, that would be my guess. I'm thinking. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Like, like, to me, the, the, the biggest analogy to this trip was, was you go to summer camp. Right? Yeah. You're yeah. locked in this confined environment and you've got counselors, you come as strangers and you walk away as, as best friends. Right. The, 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 the human connection for me is, is the most profound part of this trip. I think that's where I'll have the, the longest lasting connections and, and memories. Yeah. Know, at this point, I'm looking at traveling to these places where I have these connections and, 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 and keeping them you know, fresh and alive. That's and, cool. You know, mm-hmm. and there's somewhere I've got a picture, a piano player from Norway and all the hundred people around the piano singing, take me home country roads from, you know, around the world. It's just, Oh, everybody knows that song. Not that you ever hear that song on the Chicken Scratch show, but yeah, it was was pretty amazing. How many merles is that song? Uh, (laughs) That that version that night would get more than. uh, (laughs) That's awesome. Yeah, it reminds me a little bit of I don't know. Do you know of the Green Tortoise? Have you ever heard of this? Yeah, so I, I worked for them for a long time and have been on quite a few trips and when you're talking about that it reminds me of that a little bit that you you know I mean it's on a bus and you don't have any trips that go to Antarctica but you know just uh all these people from you know different countries different backgrounds who just eat sleep uh, together you know for however you know between a few days and and like a month or so and uh it's it's always really fascinating to watch just like how the relationships form people fall in love and fall out of love and <laughs> people like friendships and it's like it just really uh it, it causes people to go through all of those relationship building things like very quickly so there was a there was one engagement on the trip <gasps> what ah. <laughs> Here came well, and, and Heloise, they uh, they got engaged. Uh, wow! in the middle of the uh, Antarctic Sea. That's quite a story. Just, other than the engagement, is there <laughs> was there was there one like like visual from this trip that you just that really just hit you as being particularly majestic or jarring or just like something about the the Antarctic landscape like was there anything you saw that is just ingrained in your brain now two things uh one would be the the La Mer channel it's this is where you've got the you know towers of you know of of landmass covered in glaciers and ice and and penguins porpoising by you while you're staring at it the second would be Whalers Bay on Deception Island where you you see the, the the remnants of the whaling industry 
that lasted for, for hundred years where, you know, wildlife was brought you know, to a near extinct level. So the, the equipment's still there, old boilers and fuel tanks and docks. And it's, oh. it's, a, it's kind of a stark and gross reminder of, of, of what we're capable of. Wow. Yeah, was it was it was it heavy? Uh, it was like it's like going to some other historically horrible place. Like, yeah, yeah, no, I, I I think so, and I think they they leave that stuff there intentionally to yeah. you know, kind of give you a reminder of, of hopefully what not to do. Right. Wow, that's called Deception mm. Deception Island. It's the Deception Recent? Island, and it's a Whalers Bay. Okay, and that is that all that's all? I don't know anything about it. Sorry, so it's just yeah, no, it's a well, you know more interesting part of that is it's an active volcano. The, oh the, wow! The okay. Island yeah. was a volcano that erupted, and the and the, and the floor collapsed. So now the the, the middle of of of, the, of what was a volcano is a harbor. Oh um, wow! There's still you know, other little fissures around the island. The last one erupted in 1971. And the number of research stations around around the area still. Yeah, you know, at this point you're you're fairly far north so you're you're out of the worst of the weather so there, there's at least two or three research stations on the island that, that are still active and, and maintained mm-hmm. but this, yeah, the yeah the, the the whaling industry remnants are were were visual for sure that'll, that'll stick in, in your mind for a while yeah yeah so i mean so as you you know you've, you've come back now and you've, you've had a little time to sit with your thoughts about this trip and like what you learned what you saw are you feeling are you feeling hopeful or are you feeling terrified like what 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 is your ultimate takeaway from this? Yes, to, to, to the whole spectrum there. We're on the wrong trajectory, but on this trip, there was probably half of the participants were, were young, either yeah. students or, or fresh out of school, and they all have a lot of passion. And that's where the hope comes from. You know, across the world, there's a whole <laughs> literal boatload of very passionate people out there who, with an eye on sustainability and, and, and resolving this climate change issue. And so the, the data and the facts on where we are and are, and are heading in the near future are, are a little bit scary, but the, you know, the, the passion and the dedication of, of called this next generation you know, does bring a glimmer of hope that yeah. mankind will uh, do the right thing. I mean, it has to, it has to make you feel uh, pretty good about your chosen field. Yeah, like it just, I mean, this, this instills you with a sense of, of purpose, I, I would imagine. Yeah, and, and and I've I've been doing this for for well over twenty years. It's it's a, it, for me it, it's a passion and a lifestyle. If you uh, if you come over, bring your jacket. You know we we, we don't have a lot of energy here. You know, or at least as little as we can. And oh, wow. okay, yeah, just part of a you know a lifestyle that that that, that we live in. Um, yeah. And the work I do, I I get to feel good about. You know, at the end of the day, I'm bringing as many clean megawatt hours, you know, into the grid, which are what we need to reduce that, yeah. you know, those emissions. Yeah. How, how, like, you know, as you say, if people come over to your house, bring a jacket for, for, you know, your average Humboldt citizen, if you, you know, they, they come to you and they say, well, what's the, what are the tangible ways in which I can you know, reduce my carbon for, footprint, if you want to put it that way? Uh, like what, what, are, what, are, what are the easiest things you you'd recommend uh, as far as lifestyle changes that can have a, a tangible impact on on this fight i always advocate at the end of the day consume less whether it be ordering from amazon buying pre-packaged things you know consumption drives i think the the current state of affairs take a walk get on your bike drive your car as little as possible maybe lower the thermostat 
those are the things that we do on a, on a, on a regular daily basis. Humboldt's a little bit, I think, blessed by having, I think, more natural resources than people. But yeah. that's not true everywhere. I think you just need to, to, to lead by example and not let other people have to change exclusively. Yeah. yeah. Since we have you here, we felt like it also would be appropriate to, to ask you a little bit about the big wind energy project proposed for our area, you know, placing the, the offshore wind turbines, you know, about 21 miles off of our coast. And since this is your field, you, you study wind energy. I imagine that you have a little bit better of an understanding th than I do about, you know, the scope of this project and what it would mean for Humboldt. Can you just sort of give us your, your two cents, your perspective on, on all this? Yeah. I, I I hope it happens. It's it's from where I sit, and and and, and you know that Onward Energy is not a developer. We you know, we own and operate projects, but we don't develop them. It's a, right. a risk that 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 we don't take. Um, the offshore project, as far as I see it, it it's it's not a project. It's an idea. Yeah, right. Mm. Nobody has okay. a, nobody has has put up the the money to 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 I think call it a project yet. And, and, right. and I say that yeah. you know, counter to the Bear River project, which was a project, you know that 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 was was ready to build, and so I, I think the offshore wind farm. I, I hope it happens. Uh, there are a lot of challenges, mostly around I think transmission and scale. Mm -hmm. You know to you know to make the project more financially, uh, I guess successful. It probably needs to be bigger than our export capabilities are in Humboldt. And I, I don't know how those developers are gonna are gonna solve that. You know, whether they sort of write this off as a experiment or maybe they try to make hydrogen or do you know or you know find find a, another and bigger load base other than our current you know electrical needs as they sit now. Maybe the, the Nordic fish farm or the whatever high tech comes with the internet cables brings enough load base, but I think there are challenges to it that that I from where I, like I said, from where, you know, the way I see it, don't make this a, a sure thing. Mm. Talk, talk about that a little bit. You talked, you, you mentioned our our export capacity not being um, great enough to really have this pencil out. What what is what what would we need to do in order to increase that? Well, as I understand, it, and there and there are people probably you know at the RCEA who have these these numbers more firm than I do. I think our you know the total export capacity out of Humboldt is about 150 megawatts. Um, mm. To, to increase that would be billions of dollars of transmission upgrades that I, I would be surprised if they happened in my lifetime here in Humboldt. Okay. So, so yeah. you know, with that in mind, a 150 megawatt offshore project is, is simply small. You know, with the, with the size of turbines and, and the cost of, you know, a floating substation and just the infrastructure and the development of it, you know, I would imagine any successful project would want to be in the three, four or 500 megawatt range. And now what do you do with that energy? How do you... How do you get it to an end user? And, and, and there are mm -hmm. solutions to it. You know, there's a lot of talk you know, about hydrogen as a, as a long-term energy storage medium. So, so maybe there's some synergies there that can be put into place, but that, that all falls on a developer to, you know, to have a market for it and to, and to want to take that, that risk. And just to be clear, like on, Onward Energy is not, you're, you're not, you have no part of this, the, the offshore wind. None thing. whatsoever. I'm just, I, I, my okay. interest is as a, 
a Humboldt County resident, you know, I'm, I'm a stakeholder yeah, for, yeah. here. Where this is, I have, I have no vested interest in, in, in these projects. Yeah, but so yeah, but you, but you 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 follow this closely, obviously, because you are a vested, uh, interested Humboldt County citizen. And you, and you, and and what I hear hear you saying is, it's like, yeah, it doesn't. It's 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 not there yet as far as being uh, feasible or, or you know what you. I mean, as you say, it's in the very early stages where it's 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 exploratory in nature. But I'm not saying it's not feasible. It's it's quite feasible, right? It's right. It's not a or, technology yeah. hurdle. It's going to be a policy financial hurdle. Yeah. Like many other, you know, projects, you know, the, the whole, the whole renewable energy sector, you know, we, we can be a completely green grid. We have the technology to do it, but mm -hmm. there's policy and cost that go along with it. You know, th those are the, yeah. the hurdles. I, and and, and I, I hope it happens. But like I said, I say it's not a project because there's no leases yet, right? That doesn't happen for the fall. So right. nobody's, nobody's got a, a power purchase agreement. Nobody's got you know a turbine supply agreement lined up for this project yet. I don't think. Okay. Right. Yeah. I think it's just like something just ha something just got approved. The, the, Go do some studies out there out there in the project area. I think California Coastal Commission, I believe, just just approved. The, they're cool. They're cool with it. They're cool <laughs> with studies being taking place, and you know, there, there's a lot of you know, boat traffic and equipment that be you know that be played. I think it's great. I, I think it's great progress, and I, and I hope. I hope it does happen. I hope, you know, within the next five to 10 years, we do have a revitalized port that's supporting an offshore wind industry. Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it, it would be used to great to use the, that infrastructure instead of just letting it remain fallow. Uh, it's there. So let's, let's but, benefit but it from it. It's the tractors, you know, it, every injury, you know, both of you have seen this, I'm sure, you know, any, any project out there, whether it be a new restaurant in town, you know, or a power plant or, a, you know, or a fishery, you, you've got pros and cons and you're going to have people for and against, and, you know, you'll never make everybody happy. So, you know, at some, yeah. someone has to hopefully take that longer term view of, of what, you know, what is the right thing to do. Yeah. yeah. So you, you come back from the, this, this trip that you just take, just took, and it's like, I mean, do you feel an urgency like now to, to really just like uh, apply what you, what you saw, or, I mean, I guess you, you, you knew what was happening. You, you know, what's happening in the world already. Uh, so this was just a, 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 a visceral con confirmation of that, but like, are, how, I don't know. Yeah, what, 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 taking on, on to, 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 to make everyone else change their opinions. That's not, I, I don't, I don't have the, the energy for that. Yeah. Um, when it comes to the, the science and the, and the and need, you know, they were preaching to the choir with, with me on that on that ship. So so there's there's no grand yeah. awakening for you know on my return. Right, right. And, and yeah, I'm happy to have conversation. I'm happy to have this conversation. I'm happy to talk to anyone who wants to talk about it. But you know, I'm not going to get on the bully pulpit and try to change the world. There, there are others who are better at it. And have <laughs> okay. Energy Let those 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 youths those those young people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. that's where they come in I, I know what you mean though about humble being we, we do seem like we're just uh, we, we we are almost we are almost that utopia <laughs> it does it does we it does we do feel kind of insulated from you know a lot of the effects that are being seen even in the rest of the state and i i i feel i feel guilty sometimes about just like you know how how nice we have it and, and how the the climate doesn't seem to change as as quickly here as it is uh, other other places on in the world that, that being said you know the the fire season gets longer it gets yeah. bigger, you know, how, how are the crab, how are the salmon? You know, I, I think there yeah, I are a lot of effects that, that 
that and you, you know, three of us don't see on a daily basis that, that are probably more evident out there. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say, I don't necessarily agree with that. Like, I do think we, we see the effects here too. It's just, we have an, maybe an, enough of an abundance of like certain resources yeah. that it, it doesn't seem super, maybe super dire, but uh, but yeah, like you said, the, you know, the fires, the, I mean, just from a, like a kind of selfish standpoint of like something where it, it, it impacts my personal life and just like things I like to do, you know, just the drought and the, and the shortening of like river season, you know, like I, that's one thing that's become really noticeable to mm. me in the last couple of years is like how quickly our, the, the rivers are, are too low already to, you know, really go swimming and our, like the big blooms coming in really early and, you know, just that kind of stuff I start to notice. And all right. I, I was, I was trying to be a natural optimist. <laughs> well, but, you know, just... <laughs> but, but I think across the, certainly our country, that's the hurdle is somebody says, well, it hasn't bothered me. You know, right. I haven't seen it. You know, and I've heard it here in Humboldt. You know, global warming has winners and losers. Now our weather is nice. Yeah, it's a really narrow. Point yeah, I think I think I think that's what I was yeah. getting at, and, and not not to say obviously uh, that is not a justification for for bad behavior, but it right. I, it is it does. I feel like people should go out and see the world in the way that you have done more, and you know, because I think that yeah, the, the tangible uh, effects of it. Are are not as apparent to to our little uh, sliver of the world, and you know, for you to to, I guess what I'm gonna say is like you have this in on how to get to Antarctica. Can you send the rest of us? Can, can you can you arrange can you arrange for the rest of us to to go? Because I think it's very important that I see that to really change my my thinking on this. Right. Yeah. Andrew needs it. I'll put that in the suggestion box. There there, there is okay. a, another way to get there, which is a. There was a, a filmmaker named Jack Harries that was on the boat and he was making a documentary about Antarctica. So okay. through through his lens, you, you might get there faster. Okay. Yeah. Also, I guess on the topic of, you know, of climate change and, and you know, who's being affected, he made a, a video called The Seat at the Table. It's, it's on YouTube. It was shown at the COP26 in, in Glasgow and he went around the world, you know, really interviewing those who are being affected by it directly. So it's a, yeah. a really well-made series of, of documentaries cool that's the, check that out well Darren, we're getting near the the, the time that we a lot for these things is there is there any other aspect of, of, of that trip that you found particularly uh interesting or that that you think people would be would get a kick out of or <laughs> no <laughs> oh, okay okay well no, thank you boring trip to antarctica that's kind of a a, a, a short snap <laughs> answer it, it, it the trip was amazing, but at, at the end of the day, you know, I think people know what they need to do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For me, this, this trip brought an awareness of, of how people are dealing with it, but it's that didn't require Antarctica. The same group of people in Ferndale sitting yeah. around you know, my backyard, and they could have had that same impact. And you know, it's, it's kind of a strange mm-hmm. thing to say, having just come back in Antarctica. It was a trip of a lifetime, but it didn't change my life. That's good. I, that's that's good perspective. Like you 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 don't need to go to Antarctica to know that you need to do things to mitigate climate change in your own life. That's right. Well, I guess I guess, I guess we'll close on on this. Uh, you know, this this comes out on Sunday. That means that tomorrow is uh, the next Chicken Scratch show. What can people expect? 
Two hours of country, western, and all the good stuff in between. Both um, kinds. And, and the good stuff in the middle. <laughs> and the good stuff. <laughs> are there any, okay, are there any um, uh, country and or western artists that have uh, tackled climate change in song? Yes. But yeah, I don't gotta know. be, yes? right? Yeah. <laughs> no, I want names, Darren. I, yeah, yeah. I, I said, I'm sure Willie Nelson has, but uh, you know, okay. I, I, I will, I'll take that as a task to play at least one yeah. environmentally themed country song this monday okay this your, we'll be this listening this is the challenge i'm laying out before you yeah. uh, but you have to listen to you know, to see if i did it or not okay well cool well there, th- yeah. yeah thanks for sharing sharing about your trip and spending time in zoom with us as we're all i'm sure sick of doing but uh yeah it's good good to see your face again it's, it's rare thank, thank, thanks for having me and uh, hopefully i'll see you both soon in person All right. Well, thank you so much again to Darren for joining us today and discussing uh, his engineering work and also his trip to Antarctica and some of the things that he learned there. I guess my takeaways today are just like be more country and less consumering. Love it. Okay, so you brought it back around. All right. Well, yeah, again, thank you, Darren Weiss. And uh, for the rest of you, you know, maybe buy less plastic crap. (laughs) Goodbye, everybody. Bye. Once again, we want to remind our listeners that Humble Holding Up is generously sponsored by the North Coast Co-op. You know, as somebody who lives at Arcata and works in Old Town, I spend an awful lot of time going to the co-op, both for my grocery shopping and lunch eating needs. What about you, Goff? Well, I I mentioned the salad, but the other thing (laughs) I get often is the, uh, I get the, the, the sushi, you know, they got the the sushi oh, yeah, yeah. stand there and I, I go and I'll get the the the, the poke bowl. You ever had the poke bowl? Oh yeah. I love the poke bowl. And I also oh. love the the popcorn tofu. That's a that's a fan favorite, I'm told. Very popular in, in Humboldt County. They refer to it as hippie crack. Am I not you heard it here first. <laughs> no, I think it's great. I think uh, you've you've personalized the product and uh, everybody's going to rush down to the North Coast Co-op to get that hippie crack. That's right. Check out the North Coast Co-op, a Humboldt's organic community-owned grocery store since 1973. Mike, you're like kind of a, a gardener or like a landscaper of sorts, aren't you? <laughs> you I have, have land. Notes. <laughs> okay. Well, a lot of folks in Humboldt County are, and uh, for those people, a great place to go check out is Humboldt Hydroponics. Yeah. You know of this? Yeah, they're over on 1302 Union Street in Eureka. That's by Broadway Cinema. Yes, that is that is right. And and these guys are very knowledgeable. Their staff, they're familiar with Humboldt's climate, so they can help you with your, your indoor and outdoor growing needs, whatever those may be. They got mm. lighting, soils, pH solutions, fans, trays, all that, all that stuff. All yeah. that, you know, you know this That's stuff. Handy. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So you got to check them out. They're they're locally owned and operated. Now, if I buy a big old uh, uh, bag of, of soil or, or or whatnot, do I am I going to have to haul that myself? The, like, if I got, like put it in my truck myself. I mean, is is what I'm getting at if, there. If if you feel like you want to do that to help get some muscles, then you can. Yeah. But no, you don't have to do that. That's the one of the other great things about humble yeah. hydroponics is the staff will will help you load up your truck. They'll even help with a curbside pickup, you know, if you need, if you want to do that, okay. just give okay. them a call. 
give them a call to, to figure out how they can help you. It's 707-443-4304. Humboldt Hydroponics, helping you with all your growing needs.